You're listening to Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas, and I'm so glad that you are here. This is episode 242. The title of this episode is Rick Answers Questions About Abuse and More. There is much more. I've, I'm playing catch-up in this podcast. There's a lot of questions that have come in. I'm going to respond to a specific accusation that's been made about me, calling me an idolater. Uh, I want to d- deal with that. I want to give some practical advice on how to help people, uh, specifically someone who has come to us in an abusive marriage, and there is a whole lot more. I may be doing more of these types of podcasts because we're trying real hard to keep up with uh, the questions that come in, and we're trying to serve the body of Christ and and many of those who do not know the Lord that they trust our Christian ministry, and they want to learn from a Christian perspective because they know you you will not be attacked here. That's not who we are. That's not what we do. And and some people who do not profess to be Christians come here wanting to know our perspective. And so anyway, it keeps us quite busy, and sometimes I just have to skip the rock across the pond and answer uh, questions and interact with things, and I just do it in a, I do it this way. And so this is an eclectic Life Over Coffee podcast. Let me hit a few things. Uh, The first one is, I think some of you know that Lucia's daddy passed away on May the 1st of this year. He was 96 years old, almost 97 years old. We do have a short video in this episode of a memorial service. If you want to watch it, it's just under uh, four minutes and you're welcome to watch. It's just different snapshots of the funeral and the, the service that we had for him. It was a COVID-19 service, and so we had to do it distance with social distancing in view. Honestly, there wasn't a lot of that going on for the few people that did meet. We all gathered in a, a church building. It was a much smaller number, of course, and the local church, Morningside Baptist Church, Here in Greenville, South Carolina, they did a a wonderful job uh, putting on the service and and giving us so much of their time and and expertise and and people, and they did a Facebook Live as well, and they had another uh, type of video recording also, and so there were people that were able to watch uh, around the country, actually, but mostly here in Greenville. And then there may have been 40, between 40 and people, 40 and 50 people that showed up for the actual service, but it was limited. And some of you have experienced death in family uh, during the coronavirus 19 um, season that we're going through. This is 2020. And uh, you've had this experience, and some of you have written in and said that. And yes, it's a very difficult time, but. Again, for us, um, yeah, it's been hard. Uh, Lucia's dad is a Christian, and he left an amazing legacy uh, for all of us. Uh, if you would continue to pray for Lucia, I would appreciate it. She has uh, struggled. Uh, she hasn't experienced uh, death in her family, uh, those who are close to her. And so this is this has been a, a big deal for her. And we're at the end of May now. It's been, uh, it's hard to believe, but it's been over three weeks now since he went home to be with the Lord, and we're learning how to live a different kind of life uh, without him. He was an anchor point in all of our lives, and 
And so it's just going to be a struggle. As I've said in other places, uh, I told Lucia a long time ago, I will struggle more with her daddy dying than, than she will. And of course, that's not true. But the point that I was making is that he has been a father figure for me. And so it's been hard on all of us. And so your prayers are appreciated. We do rejoice that he is a believer and we weep because of the void that is always left when someone that you love departs. And so there is a void in our hearts. Again, if you want to watch a short video, you can go into these show notes, episode 242. The title of it is Rick Answers Questions About Abuse and More. We are, we have the ability now on our website to put banners up and different thing, different types of things. We have an expert web developer that allows us to be a little more flexible. We can just pivot at a moment's notice. And right now, uh, we have a book offer that we are making available to anyone for any person who donates fifty. There's a there's another point that I'm uh, going to that I'm sharing this, but I'm going to tell you what I'm I'll tell you about this first. Uh, but any person who donates donates fifty dollars or more, they can receive an autographed copy of one of my paperback books. If you want me to write a personal note in the book, I will be more than happy to do that. You can tell me what you would like for me to write, or I can write something else uh, if you want me to write a little personal note and. Also, if you had rather for us to send the book to someone else, you can designate that person so you can make the donation, but yet rather than sending it to you, we can send it to another person and make a note to that person as well, and we'll handle all of this. Um, I do have a 100 books uh, on order now. They should be here around 1st of June. Uh, for many people, I've participated in this offer And so I will be doing a lot of writing the first week or so of June, and we'll get all of those out in the mail. And hopefully by July, uh, you will have them. I know there's some going to Australia and other countries, Canada, and uh, I'm not sure how long it will take, but we will get them to you. You'll have them this summer, uh, but this this, uh, offer is ongoing. And so if you want to make a $50 or more donation, uh, to our ministry, uh, you're welcome to request one of my books, and I will sign it. Now, the second reason that I'm sharing this with you uh, is a question. Uh, are autographed books idolatry? Uh, we have an email list that goes out once a week. There's more than 10,000 people that it it goes out to, and we don't add names to the email. Uh, they add them, or they're added if they do some kind of interaction. You know, with our ministry, there's an automation process, but we don't add emails and don't uh, don't share emails with anyone. And so it's just an exclusive email list that we have, and it's free to sign up. And of course, you can unsubscribe at any point. And people unsubscribe every week. Uh, that always happens, and it's just the way email list work, but we offer this um, for people that want to keep up with whatever the updates may be, and historically, it's gone out every Tuesday morning at 6.30 a.m. If I do, if we build them in time, we can put the, the emails on what they call time warp, meaning they will go out at 6.30 a.m. no matter your time zone. Sometimes we're running behind because we're doing so, we got so many things going on, and we can't yeah, you have to set them up a, a day a, a day in advance in order to uh, 
uh, send them out in time warp. And sometimes we just, we're not working that far in advance because, again, we have a lot going on. But I put that offer in our e-blast, and then someone unsubscribed from our email list, and he, this is what he said. I'm just going to give you the quote, the way he put it, and the reason he unsubscribed from our email list. He said, quote, Anytime a Christian offers an autographed book, because I can't reconcile that with the Word of God, to allowing humans to think that an autograph is anything special. It's a form of idolatry, and you should know better. I, Rick, should know better. I've enjoyed your articles, and and then that's where it stopped. I'm assuming that it only gives you so much space to give you a reason as to why you're unsubscribing. But he said enough here uh, that uh, the reason he did unsubscribe is because I am an idolater. Now, he he didn't say that directly, but it's definitely implied. He says that a person who offers autographs books, he can't reconcile that with the Word of God, um, allowing humans to think that an autograph is anything special. It's a form of idolatry, and you should know better. And so, therefore, I am doing a form of idolatry. He called me an idolater. And so he said he can't. Uh, okay, and so first of all, I don't care, all right? So I don't struggle with that. Uh, if I struggled with critique, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing this ministry because I get critiqued all the time. There's a lot of people that just don't like me. They don't like my style. They don't like my directness. I, I am who, who I am, and I have no desire to hurt anybody or to be unkind to anybody. I do have a particular kind of personality, and, and I know that better than you do. Uh, I, I've lived with myself for 61 years, and so I understand my personality. I'm trying to become more like Christ. I have no desire to offend anyone, but I also understand that I have a personality, and you do too. And um, there, you know, personalities. You know, some people can run with it, and some people uh, can't. And so I, I get that. And unfortunately, some people can be very unkind. And so I get. I get quite a few unkind emails, and that's just part of being in the ministry. So that's why I say I don't care. I don't care in the sense that I can't care. If there's something that I can learn and grow and mature and change, well, yeah, I, I do want to do that. And there have been people who have written in from time to time, and, and that what they said is like, yeah, I, I, need to, I need to address that. And I've tried to address those things as they come along. But I can't be bothered by emails like this, and honestly, I appreciate. I, I tend to appreciate the critique because I can learn. I can learn some something from it, but I'm not controlled by it, and I think that's the point that I'm trying to make here. He says he can't reconcile autographed books with the Word of God. I just want to say the reason you can't reconcile it with the Word of God because the Bible doesn't speak about it. And so he's making an argument out of silence. And this is my bigger point here. If you're going to rebuke somebody or confront somebody, he's confronting a, a preference. He has a preference because the Bible does not forbid us to give autograph books. And so there's several things wrong with what he's saying here. And one of those is he's making an argument out of silence. He's creating an argument that the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't speak to. The question I would ask is, is an autograph book special? Is anything special to you? Uh, I I'm not into autographing books. I'll be I'll be honest with you. When people come to me at at uh, speaking events and they ask me to sign their Bible, th this has been happening for decades. I'm not comfortable with that. That's just not 
my thing, but it's obviously special to them. Now, would I go so far as, as this guy and call them idolaters? That has never crossed my mind. You know, when a, a 11-year-old boy comes up and says, you know, Mr. Thomas, will you, you sign my Bible? And I, I sign it. I have never thought that that boy was an idolater. I mean, that has never crossed my mind. And so is an autograph book special? Well, to some people it may be special. I can actually, and I'm not going to show you these emails, I can read emails to you from people who have written in with this book offer, and they said, in fact, well, they said that this is very special. One lady wrote in, and she wanted me to sign a book that she's going to give to her daughter. Her daughter is, I think, three years old, three or four years old, three years old. And she wants it's a marriage, it's a marriage book, and she wants to give this book to her daughter, you know, fifteen twenty years from now. And she said, "Would you? Here's a donation, and would you sign this book and sign it to my daughter?" And she gave me the daughter's name, and I want to give this book to her, you know, you know, fifteen years from now, something like that. Well, that was special. Is that idolatry? <laughs> no, that's silly. It's really silly. What about signed baseball cards? What about people who get autographs from people? I, I've never, I, I don't, I, I, are are those idolatrous things? I mean, sure, maybe some, maybe to some people in some people's minds it's idolatry, but that's really a stretch, and it's unfortunate that this guy has this kind of view, uh, that he's elevated a preference to, you know, to that level. Does the Bible talk about how autographs are idolatry? Of course the Bible doesn't. The key idea that you would want to take away from this, if the Bible doesn't forbid it, to say it is idolatry is a commentary or a judgment about me being an idolater. See, the Bible doesn't forbid it, but he says it's idolatry, so he's calling me an idolater, which means he's making a judgment of my heart. He's telling me that I'm an idolater uh, because that I'm, I'm doing this. Well, the Bible doesn't say that. And so he is making a judgment about my heart. Now, that's a dangerous thing. And so anyway, uh, for what it's worth, we have an offer here. And if you want to donate $50, and if you want an autographed copy of one of my books, I'll be more than happy to give it to you. And, uh, and, and we'll sign it and so forth and send it to you and take care of it. And I won't call you an idolater and... I, I don't think that I am. And so there's that. I'll let you know also that um, I'm going to start training a church intern from my local church. Uh, my counsel, uh, The counseling department at our local church asked me if I would take on a summer uh, intern uh, for biblical counseling, a 10-week internship at our local church. A lot of local churches do this. Music interns, administrative interns, preaching interns, counseling interns. I mean, churches do this. It's very common during the summer. It's a great idea. And I just wanted to let you know that I'll be doing uh, the education part of the internship with the biblical counseling intern that's going to be part of our church for 10 weeks. The reason I share that with you in part, just to give you some insight into what's going on in our ministry, some of the things that happen in our ministry, but also... Uh, if you have an intern at your church who's in biblical counseling, uh, biblical counseling intern, and you need a, a trainer, our ministry would love to talk to you about that. It would be me and a couple of others that would be part of that process, and we would love to interact with you about that if you have a church internship. 
Also, uh, this past week, I did a Zoom devotional. It was a one-off uh, devotional that a, a construction firm, uh, they have a weekly meeting, a, a Bible meeting, devotional meeting uh, with is is a voluntary where people can meet. And there were thirty something people that met through Zoom, and uh, they asked me to do the devotional, which I I did. It's a good fit for me. Again, it was a one off. It's not a long term commitment. It was a twenty minute devotional that I gave to these believers, and we were using remote technology, which is becoming common practice, especially during the COVID. Season And so if you have a, count, a church staff, a, a counseling team, a corporation, it doesn't have to be a Christian ministry or any other organization with a Christian worldview, and you'd like for me to do a devotional, please reach out for us and, and let me know, and um, maybe we can you know work that in. It's not that hard uh, to do, and we would love to at least consider it. And so church internships and also uh, a weekly devotion preferably a one-off or we can do it you know every now and then and that would be great and we'd love to consider your organization then uh we're starting our conference season uh people have been asking we had two calls last week one uh, from florida and one from north carolina uh, as far as doing uh speaking engagements and so we're looking at our fall conference season and so if you want me to come and speak to your group, I would appeal to you to contact us sooner than later uh, so that we can get you on the calendar. We would love to do that. We can do all sorts of things as far as a speaking uh, meeting. Uh, we can do just a Sunday morning meeting if, if that's what you want. And sometimes churches do that as a way of introducing me. I have a fall conference in North Carolina, and I'm actually going there. We're planning a a Sunday meeting a couple of months before the larger conference, and that's going to be like an introduction meeting. So I'll go there on a Sunday morning and speak to the church so that they can get to know me, and, and this is part of their ramp-up process for the bigger conference in the fall. We have something going on in New Jersey and then we're looking at a marriage conference in Florida. And so there's different, you can do retreats, marriage conferences, biblical counseling training. You can take a topical. If you have a topical issue uh, that you want me to uh, take, we can be able to do that as well. And so there's a link here. Uh, if you just reach out to us and let us know uh, that you're interested in us uh, coming to your place, it doesn't have to be a church. It can be any other venue or any other type of organization, kind of like the devotionals. doesn't matter a whole lot to me. Uh, whoever we can get in front of and, and talk, teach, train, interact with, that would be fantastic. One more thing. This is episode 242. The title of it is Rick Answers Questions About Abuse and More. I want to deal with the abuse thing now. This has really been on my heart the last well, for a week now, I had a pastor's wife email me from somewhere in the world and asking me to help because she is in an abusive marriage. I'll not give any more information than that. This is not an unusual email, by the way. I've received this email many times over the years, not just pastor's wives, but just usually wives. Uh, we do have a few that come uh, every now and then, where the wife is abusive. And so it does go both ways. But generally speaking, it's the wives that um, 
who email the most or jump on our forums the most. This one here, the wife uh, is a pastor's wife, and her husband is abusive, and um, it's unfortunate. He's not repenting, uh, according to her, and uh, it's just been heavy on my heart. We did give her some direction. We gave her some help uh, with someone in their community, and hopefully that she'll reach out to that person and receive, uh, receive that help. That email reminded me of you know about how to think about uh, when when you receive a call from someone, and so what I want to talk about as I wrap up this podcast, I'm not going to get into abuse, domestic violence, uh, spiritual abuse. In this case, uh, there's not physical abuse going on in the home, from what I understand, uh, but it is based on what she said. It is an abusive relationship, and so I'm, I'm not going to provide a counseling session here because I don't have time. We do have—I've written about it extensively, and I do have a link here if you want to go to our abuse articles. Interesting enough, uh, Daniel Berger, who writes for us, he sent me—he he doesn't know anything about this, but he sent me an article a couple of days ago and asked me to read it and— if it was good enough, you know, for what we're doing, what I put it on our website. Well, we, of course, it was good enough, Daniel. You know better than that. But uh, I put it. Uh, it went up yesterday, and the title of the article is something like uh, "When Abuse Collides with Submission." It's a very long article. Uh, it's forty nine hundred words, uh, but it's chocked full of information. And I would encourage you to read that article. But we have a dozen more. Uh, I've written some. Brandy Huerto, another one of our our writers, has written some. Daniel Berger has added this one here. And so we have a lot of information on abuse. If you want to uh, read it, uh, learn more how to walk through abusive situations, whether it's abuse in the church, abuse in in another relationship, like in this case, marriage, uh, you can get that information. If you if you need help, some guidance, you can get on our forum. But I just want to share with you four ideas when someone comes to you and they have a problem that they are struggling with. In this case, uh, we're talking about uh, abuse. The first point is that, that you believe all people when they share their stories. Love believes all things. And so Christians always want to uphold charitable judgments when someone is sharing their story. Now, it can be abuse, like what uh, this wife is sharing with me. I believe her. I, I believe all things. I, I believe her. When someone comes to me with in counseling, they're sharing their story, I believe them. I'm not a, a suspicious person. That's, that is not, uh, that's a weird way to live. And you you won't if you don't have the gift of suspending suspicion you want to ask the lord to give you that gift uh, because you want to believe their stories and so that's point number 1 i trust that is clear here's point number 2 christians always use sound judgment and discernment when listening to only one side of a story we had this conversation with our children uh last week uh, our our children know somebody who speaks in a very disparaging way uh, about somebody in their family, and they talk very criti- slanderously and gossipy about someone in their family, and it's a one-sided story. 
And I was just walking them through some of these ideas that I'm sharing with you, which is another reason is on my heart. You want to believe the person that's telling you the story, but you also want to use sound judgment and discernment because you're only listening to one side of the story. In our culture, it's called the Me Too movement where they believe all women, they say. Well, there's an element of that's true. I've already said that here. You believe what people are telling you. Love believes all things. You want to uphold charitable judgments when someone is sharing their story. But but that's not all to the story. You also want to use sound judgment because if if you only have one side of the story, if you only have one side of the story, you have to use sound judgment. Now, it sounds like, well, you just contradicted yourself because your first point about believing what the person is telling you. And then your second point, use sound judgment and discernment when listening to only one side of the story. No, it's not a contradiction at all. It's like a car with a gas pedal and a brake pedal. Is that a contradiction? Well, you, you could say that. Or you could say this is, the, this is the most appropriate way for this car to function. A car that only has a gas pedal, well, that's the problem. And a car that only has a brake pedal, that's a problem. And so it's not a contradiction. It gives you a wholeness in problem solving. And so you should have no problem in believing what the person is telling you. And you should ask God to give you sound judgment and discernment because you're only listening to one side of the issue. And so you have a gas pedal and you have a brake. They don't contradict each other, but they give you the best possible riding experience. And so that's point number two, use sound judgment and discernment. Point number three of four, you find the struggling individual help while ensuring that nobody is slandering or gossiping what the alleged abuser is saying. And so you want to find this person help. Think about it this way. Let, let's say that this person is not being abused. Okay, just for sake of argument, let's say this person is not being abused. That marriage is in a whole lot of trouble. You see, when they come to you with a story, it doesn't matter if it's in a vacuum here, in this sense, it doesn't matter if it's true or not. If it's true, there's abuse going on, this marriage is in a whole lot of trouble. If it's not true, then there's something weird going on. This marriage is in a whole lot of trouble. And so what you want to do is that you want to find the struggling individual help, but you want to ensure that nobody is slandering or gossiping about the alleged abuser. And that happens too often. You can't do that until you get the full scope of the story. And so you want to make sure that you're not talking to people who aren't part of the problem. And so when I talk about gossiping or slandering, I'm not talking about saying nothing. No, that's wrong. But talking to the appropriate people, if you're talking to the appropriate people for the purpose of bringing redemptive solutions to the problem, you're not slandering or gossiping. You may be talking behind their back, if you want to use that language. You may be talking in a way they don't know what you're saying. Yeah, but you're not slandering or gossiping because you're part of the solution and you're trying to find redemptive purposes. Now, but perhaps it would help you to think about it this way. If someone accused you of something, how would you want folks to talk about you? Let's say that someone just accused you of whatever, fill in the blank. Okay, how do you want people to talk about you? 
Do you want them gossiping and slandering about you? No, you don't. Nobody wants that. And the best outcome could be is that the people who do talk about it are those who are part of the solution. And so you want to find the struggling person, uh, individual. You want to find them help while ensuring that nobody is slandering or gossiping about the abuser. And then uh, point number four, there's no room to hide the truth, but there is a high call to steward the truth. And so you don't want to hide the truth, and it kind of ties to what I was saying just now. You don't want to hide the truth, but there's a high call to steward the truth, and you want to steward that truth well. Until all the facts are clear, you won't know how best to steward the truth, and so you move forward with biblical wisdom. You've got to get all the data. It's so easy to land on one side or the other. Whoever's talking or whoever shared the story first or whoever shared their story, it'd be so easy to you know take their side. That's called empathy, where you jump in the quicksand, and when you jump in the quicksand, you drown with them. No, you want to stand outside the quicksand. You want to hold on to a rope so you don't fall in, and so you can be objective and you can be sympathetic all at the same time. And so there is a high call to steward the truth, and you won't know what all the truth is until you get all the facts. This is episode 242. I talked about Lucia's daddy dying. I talked about my idolatry with that blooming book offer we're doing a church intern we can do zoom devotionals conference season is here and pastoral abuse you have been listening to life over coffee with rick thomas if you have a question for rick you can let him know by sending him a note through his website rickthomas.net that's rickthomas.net thanks for listening enjoy your coffee